Hey everybody, it is Jeremy England with my friend Daphne Check, and this is episode one, the first official episode of Ohio Virtual Academy's Music Appreciation Podcast. So if you listen to the introduction episode, which was just about two and a half minutes long, you got to know the very basics of who I am, uh, and I told you we'd be having a guest or a co-host, and that person is with us today, and her name is Ms. Check. So... Uh, Daphne, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are, where you went to school, what you like to play, and all of that jazz. Man, that's a lot of stuff you want me to tell everybody. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, hi everybody. My name's Miss Check. Um, as Mr. England said, I am one of four music appreciation teachers at OHVA. Um, I started here last year, so I still feel like the new guy in town. But um, I graduated from Kent State University with a degree in music education, a focus in instrumental music. Um, I'm also a percussionist, so I have a percussion minor, um, which basically means that I hit all the drums and xylophones and marimbas. Um, I'm more of a marimba and xylophone mallet percussion player more than anything else. So usually if I'm playing with anybody, or gigging with anybody, um, you'll probably find me uh, back there playing the xylophone. Um, I also do a little bit of work with the Columbus Symphony and uh, work in their education department. So uh, work with those kids at least once a week doing symphony stuff. Uh, so I keep pretty busy throughout the school year trying to just keep on keeping on doing things, you know. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me today. Oh, and next episode, the next episode after that. Be- if it all goes well, right? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully this you won't kick me out after this first time. <laughs> no, I don't think so. So like I said in the first episode, we're just I mean, we're a couple music teachers and we want we just wanted to be more interesting with our lives and talk about music. Uh, in addition to all of the other stuff we do in class. So speaking of which, most likely if you're starting to listen to us, uh, it's because you're a student of ours or of Mr. Wintrose or Mr. Payne's. And so just to re-highlight, this is the beginning of the school year. When you're hearing this, we'll have gone through orientation and you'll be at the first full week of classes, which means you have live classes to attend, you have homework, and you have uh, those beginning diagnostic tests that you have to take. So do all that, and uh, that will be great. So, you know, uh, Ms. Check, why did you want to do podcasting? So I know I want to do it because I just like to talk and hear myself talk, which I'm sure kids will find out eventually. But why did you want to do this podcast? The exact same reasons, Mr. England. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, A little bit of that, I suppose. But, um, you know, as teachers, I think we're always trying to find different ways to talk to our students and connect with them. And uh, a couple weeks ago, when we had our teacher orientation in Kalahari uh, before the school year started, you had mentioned this to me, and I just was—I just really thought it was a great idea. I, I like to listen to podcasts a lot when I work out or when I'm driving, and you know, sometimes you just need the material, but you can't do it while class is happening. So when you talked to me about this, I really started thinking this would be just a, a really cool idea. And um, thought it would it'd be nice to get out of our normal classroom. You know, when we're when we're in a class connect section session, you know, we have certain things we have to get out to you in a very structured amount of time. And here we can kind of talk and relax a little bit more, and you know, share some different ideas that we can't always do in class. So, um, you know, the the idea of a podcast was just really appealing to me. 
So with that, since we are hanging out and talking, if you're listening to this and there's something that's interesting to you, you know, uh, I'll give you the information at the end of how to interact with us. But but do, you know, because it's more fun. It is us two talking uh, to you and with each other. But hopefully you can engage in this and find something interesting in what we're going to talk about. Uh, and so that is really appreciating music. That's what this whole class is about. That's what this podcast is about. We're, you know, I said we're a couple of nerds and we like to talk about music. That's because we appreciate it. Uh, right. I'm guessing it's because we're gifted that way, but you don't have to be gifted in making music to understand or to appreciate music, right? Uh, right. So there's three things, understanding, learning about it, and being informed about music. So that's appreciating encompasses all of those things. I know some musicians who are very talented that don't really appreciate what they're playing. And I also know some people who can't play a, a lick of music to save their lives, but they know a lot about it and can talk way above my head because they understand it, they've learned about it, and they're informed about it. Uh, how about appreciating versus liking music what do you what do you what are your thoughts on appreciating versus liking music you know i i i really think this is a, a big issue for me so if you want to you know say miss check and has a miss check has a uh bugaboo on this one this this is a bugaboo mine mr england i gotta i gotta say that's why i i had mentioned this you know you can appreciate something without liking it you don't have to like every type of music that you're going to hear or experience. You don't have to like every type of food you're going to try in your life. There's a lot of things in life that we just aren't going to like because we're human and that's okay. But you need to understand that a lot of work went into the uh, into the piece of music you're listening to. A lot of work went into that dish that you're about to eat. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm hungry. I must be hungry. I keep bringing up food. Um, but but there's there's a whole lot of work that goes behind it. And understanding that somebody really took time in that and somebody, uh, you know, worked very hard in that. And so one of my bugaboos is always when a student, I, I hate to throw students under the bus, but for example, a student will be like, well, I just don't like this. And then just automatically turns off learning anything about it or even trying to understand it to me that's just a big no-no there's too much in the world to learn and do and see so you know when you're approaching music I'm telling you now you're not gonna like everything we're gonna play for you in class it's just not possible I, I mean well I guess I shouldn't say it's not possible it's possible right you might love everything but there is there's a high probability that at some point during the class we're gonna play something for you and you're gonna be like that's not my jam and you know what that's cool that it's not your jam it's okay that that, that you're not digging it that's totally fine. Just make sure you understand that a lot of work went behind it and somebody put their heart and soul into that. And it takes a high level of skill to produce and perform and write the music that you're going to be hearing. So it's okay to like it. It's not okay to uh, not appreciate it. Off my soapbox. I was going to say, that's, <laughs> that soapbox kept getting bigger and bigger as you went on. Uh, but I know. So you might have to edit some of that, Mr. England. I'm no. not going to lie. I get on a soapbox about that one because that one's a big deal to me. So, And if you're in my class, you'll definitely you'll definitely hear me t go on about that for a while. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on a lot of that. Uh, appreciating versus liking. I, I liken this to it's 
it's empathy, you know, like, so yeah. I think about a lot about like country versus hip hop. That's the one that I, I hear all the time about. And, and, you know, those two, for whatever reason, hate each other's styles of music. But when I always find when you learn to understand what it's about, you can appreciate it and maybe even make some connections, uh, but you still don't have to like it. You know what I mean? You don't have to like that, <laughs> that they, they talk about, uh, you know, banjos and you talk about trunk beats you know so mm-hmm. right exactly uh, that's exactly yeah yeah and that's that's okay and the big one for me in this is uh being intelligent enough and caring enough perhaps you don't care and i like you said i think you should care but uh explaining why uh we understand like miss check said that you're not going to like something but at least explain why if somebody says why not you can give an intelligent answer that doesn't demean a whole group of people that likes that style of music you know i find that oftentimes uh, a lot like um this session is classical music this whole semester is classical music and there's a a bug up some people's butt about uh, classical music is the only real style of music and they will talk bad about like you know Justin Bieber, but Justin Bieber, you can appreciate the Biebs just as much and understand it's a totally different style of music without disparaging everybody who likes the Biebs. You know what I'm saying? Oh gosh, absolutely. I think, I think even in my personal life, I have this discussion with people because people assume just because I'm a music teacher that the only thing I listen to is classical. (laughs) That's not true. You know how much eighties hairband stuff I've got in my car right now? Like, you know, you just, you can appreciate and like it all. It's, it's okay. It's totally okay. Amen to that. And so that goes into like appreciating versus understanding. I think there's a, uh, even like the next level down is is to understand a style of music before you can appreciate it. You have to understand what makes it tick. So, uh, you know, specifically this semester, I think of Haydn. He writes this joke symphony, right, where uh, he plays practical jokes in his music. But if you don't understand music, you won't understand why that's funny and it loses some meaning uh, in the song. So, you know, there's kind of some things you're missing out on when you don't understand it. And a lot of times if you go to like a classical music concert, uh, hopefully if they're worth their salt, they'll put some show notes in there. So take a minute to read about why a composer wrote a song or why it's special so you can understand the music a little bit better to to know if you want to go see it. You know, if you do that with books, but they put the summary on the back of a book so you can understand if you're going to read it uh, because it tells you what it's going to be about. And you're like, oh, I want to read this book. So, and then hopefully that leads to appreciation and et cetera. Do you see a difference between those, Miss Check, or am I just like weird in my own mind? And that's okay if I am. <laughs> no, I, th- I, no, you're not. No, no, no. I think, I think it's just, it, they're, they're very closely related. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think there's a, a, a giant difference per se, you know, just as long as you're, taking time to learn about it. I think, I think that the, the word learn has to, has to kind of go hand in hand with it, with both of them, I think. Which is not a surprise that we're both teachers and we're talking about <laughs> learning, you know? So. Yes. Big shock, right? <laughs> Big <laughs> right. surprise, everybody. Right. Oh gosh. So <laughs> the question is, how do we learn to appreciate, how do we gain this understanding? How do we learn to appreciate music and to get here? And we do this in something called, musicology. So we're all a musicologist at some level. Everybody has an opinion 
on music. So if you have an opinion, congratulations, you are somewhat of a musicologist. You know, so the the very fact that you can answer the difference between appreciation and you can answer or the difference between appreciation and liking something puts you in the camp of musicology. The fact that you can say that I like Metallica and I don't like, uh, you know, One Direction makes you a musicologist at some level. So musicology is basically the study of music, that ology uh, what's that? A suffix, right? Yes, the end of the word. I'm a music teacher, not a an English teacher. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right because a prefix comes before. So, biology. I'm it right now, by the way. <laughs> the magic of technology. Yes. Uh, suffix. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> oh man, put me on the English roster. Oh, uh, shout outs to all the OHVA English uh. teachers who are currently rubbing their brow going no they didn't just say that (laughs) it's a group effort (laughs) it is it is we need to get an english teacher in here that's right uh biology psychology geology sociology all of these ologies are just the study of something jeremyology would be the study of jeremy which is me right so uh ology means to study So real quick, what are the four branches of musicology that we will be looking at? We're going to study history, theory, ethnomusicology, and systematic musicology. Okay. Just real quick, before we even get into it, what's your least favorite branch of musicology? Mm, I, boy, if I'm really being honest about it, it's it's probably history. <laughs> Actually, no, that's that's a lie. That's a lie. I hate theory. <laughs> that's hardcore. Yeah, I have I have strong feelings about theory. I is, was going to try and hide it, but I, I'm, I'm not going to lie about it. Is that because <laughs> as a percussionist, you're only used to hitting things and not the music <laughs> notes? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, no, no, I think that's uh, somewhat true. Uh, well, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I, 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 I guess I have a little bit of reason, but we'll... Well, we'll get to that in a second. I'm looking forward to that soapbox. So, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if we get started on history, uh, I I put this one first because this is probably my – it was. It's not anymore. It's hard to pick your least favorite, you know, as a music teacher. But uh, history was my least favorite only because uh, if you come at it from the angle of trying to memorize dates and trying to memorize birth years and, and all of that stuff, it, it just becomes – uh, routine, and I think it loses some of the richness in it. Uh, but basically, music history is just the study of music, how it's evolved over time, and how music has helped culture throughout time, and how m- culture has helped to shape music. So for me, if I get rid of all the dates, which seems like cheating as far as learning about history, if I get rid of all the dates, I really like to look at the study uh, throughout time of history. Uh, what always trips me up and what always is a fun exercise is if I'm talking about certain composers is to put that alongside current world events. You know, like the founding of our country, uh, well, we'll say Independence Day in 1776 is like Mozart was writing some of his best pieces there. We don't put those two worlds together a lot of times. So I, if I do that type of stuff, uh, music history becomes so much more interesting to me. What do you think about music history? You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of in your camp on this, Mr. England, because, you know, I understand that dates and all that is part of it. But I, I guess I kind of I, I'm going to jump a little ahead here. I, I look at history 
is a distant cousin of ethnomusicology a little bit because, you know, you're just seeing what's come before and understanding what it did. So, you know, for me, they're distantly um, related, I think. Um, but you're right. Sometimes the you can get bogged down in the facts, I think, a little bit. You know, what date is what. That that can get a little heavy. Yeah. Some people, though, if you're listening to this and you're into that thing, this might be – I mean, the, the music history professors I had in college were like a whole different level. You know, if you're ever taking like a real history class with any history professor of any subject, it's just like their knowledge is so different than, than how I think. <laughs> oh, I'm so with you on that. I think I think it takes a special brain to analyze all these facts and be able to just hand them out you know, it's, it's my, cause I, my history, my music history professors were the same way in yeah. college. God bless those people and their unique brains is what I'm going to say. Absolutely. So let's talk about, let's talk about theory. Oh, <laughs> and speaking of unique brains, uh, real quick before Miss Chet gets on her soapbox, theory, music <laughs> theory is just how music works. Essentially in a nutshell, why music looks a certain way. So why music looks a certain way, like how it's written, literally, like the symbols we use to write music is part of music theory, how sounds together and, and how they work together, basically it's describing how music works, and then using that to write music. So, Miss Check, uh, now that we're talking about, you know, like how music is made, and you just want to disparage that, tell us why. <laughs> well, well, let me first start off by saying that I think theory brains and history brains are very special brains. <laughs> I do not have either one of these brains, <laughs> probably for the most part, but m much more so with theory. My my, I don't really have a problem with theory, so it's not necessarily a soapbox. It's more of a, a shoebox that I'm going <laughs> okay. to pretend to stand on. Okay. But I, I think, um, you know, with theory, I theory can be very complicated in its rules. Now, what we're going to cover in class is not particularly um, really deep into theory, but I remember in college when I took advanced music theory, it was like taking calculus five. And I don't have a math brain. I can do math, but not as great as some of the other stuff I do. So I, I found theory, music theory, when I was studying it to be a very um, challenging, almost unattainable uh, subject for me. So, you know, when I hear theory, uh, you know, and I'm, and most of my issues again are more with advanced theory, like Mr. England, you're going to understand what I'm saying. But when we get to like, when you're dealing with Neapolitan six chords and you're dealing with secondary dominance and stuff, uh, all the, the, the kind of more advanced stuff, um, up until the 20th century is, is not my jam. We get to 20th century, everything changes in theory. And I get it all of a sudden. So, and, and we'll talk about that a little in class. So theory and I have a very weird relationship. I, I understand it and appreciate it. <laughs> nice. Thank nice. you so much. But I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend I don't particularly struggle with music theory. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Music theory, music theory is such an interesting topic. So I play guitar is like my main instrument and, uh, there are a lot of people who play guitar and who have no idea about how music works. And that's what, I mean, there's a lot of rock stars, literal, like high flute and rock stars that don't really understand music theory at the, the level that we're kind of talking about and looking at here. Uh, 
But you're right, it can be very complicated and people can get really far deep into the weeds about music theory. Oh, um, yes. And those, again, those are other special brain peoples, like Miss Check said. Uh, and, and the other interesting thing about theory is sometimes theory uh, leads music, as in you develop theory and you write music to that theory. But more often than not, somebody interesting comes and writes something brand new and that's never really been done before. And then music theorists like reverse engineer it and say, oh, my gosh, look at this. This is how it works. And this is why it works like this and blah, blah, blah. You know, so. Um, yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Theory's fun. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it will be what, what we're going to do. Yeah. I, I think, I think, but hopefully y'all will think that too. <laughs> <laughs> right. We really sold it there, didn't we? <laughs> I know all of the students, as soon as they see when their theory assignments are coming up, they're going to run. They're going to hide. Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to us bittermans. We're, <laughs> that's, you know. that's so true. And, oh, and the other thing, if you're interested in theory, there is a ton of really, really good YouTube videos. Like I don't have one to recommend right off the top of my head, but just type in music theory into YouTube and you can watch uh, people who take like 10 minute clips and explain these amazing topics. And uh, don't tell my principles, but sometimes I have to review my stuff, you know, via YouTube. So, uh, <laughs> so ethnomusicology is the next one. And it's just uh, a very long name, ethnomusicology. Uh, and really, the, the thrust of ethnomusicology is it studies music inside of culture, inside of a specific culture, typically in the academic world, so people who do research and stuff, typically outside of Western European art music. And so Western European art music basically is people like Beethoven, Bach, the Catholic Church composers, uh, Handel, uh, Brahms, all of those types of people. And what you kind of think of traditionally as classical music. Uh, but outside of European art music uh, or quote-unquote classical music, there is stuff like jazz and blues and taiko drumming and steel pan and uh, gamelans. Um, so what did you have ethnomusic? I see uh, my college had three basic classes you could take. You had to take an ethnomusicology class to get your degree. Uh, and we had three choices. Did you have choices where, where you went to school? Um, we, we just had to take, we had to take a Western cultures class and a non-Western cultures class uh, in terms for your music degree. Um, and in that class, we, we kind of covered everything. I mean, we, we talked about the music of China and Japan, um, did a little bit of um, music from India, and then moved over into Africa. Um, and then I also studied African drumming for several years privately. Um, when I went to school, we had a uh, – our studio had like a side African drumming ensemble, and my friend – or well, he was one of the grad students. Um, he learned from a master drummer from Ghana. And so he kind of passed that along to us. And then um, his his master drummer, um, his name is Bernard Woma. Um, he passed away, unfortunately, recently or semi-recently. And uh, he would come in and work with us. Uh, so, you know, I had a lot of experience there. I was also in a steel drum band for many, many years. So I have, I have uh, quite a bit of knowledge in terms of 
music from um, Trinidad and Tobago, not Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and I know a little bit about Indian music. My uh, best friend's dad is from India, and so I've been to their house enough where they've done music performances and things like that where I've seen a lot. So I have this weird kind of layered background to ethnomusicology. That's awesome. One of the advantages, I would say, of like percussionists is they have a, a very unique world and they have a quicker entryway into uh, music outside of Western culture, mostly because, you know, like there's a lot of percussive instruments that are played outside of Europe, <laughs> essentially. Right. Yeah, um, it, it does. It's percussion. You know, if you look across the world, most every culture has some kind of drum or some kind of percussive instrument. They may not, you know, have a flute per se, but they probably have some kind of hand drum that they can hit. And so percussion does kind of serve as a gateway into a lot of these cultures to learn about their music. It's really quite true. <laughs> a gateway instrument. It is. It's a gateway instrument. <laughs> yeah. So our school, I had to take either we had three classes music of Indonesia, music of Japan, or music of Africa or Afro-Caribbean. I really can't remember. We had an Afro-Caribbean ensemble, but I don't know if the music was uh, the same as the class. But I took Indonesian music, which was super enlightening. So I had a semester focused on that style of music. Ethnomusicologists, so people who actually do this study, are, are vital to the world of music because a lot of times they'll go and they'll uh, throw themselves into a culture that, that's different than theirs typically, and they will um, write down, they'll basically become music theorists and historians and uh, systematic musicologists, and they'll learn why the music works, how it works, how the culture affects it, how it affected the culture. And a lot of times, especially early on, they would be the first people to record different styles of music for people to to hear outside of that country or that area. So ethnomusicology is such a vital uh, and important role in the globalization of music uh, and giving us influences outside of what we know in our own worlds. So now we get to my favorite, my favorite, favorite branch of musicology. And I'm going to start this out with a quote from Wikipedia. I know it's awful as a teacher, but, you know, sue me. That's uh, dangerous ground. Right? I know, right? Here it goes. <laughs> These subdisciplines of, of systematic musicology and paradigms tend to address questions about music in general rather than specific manifestations of music. Basically, it just talks about what is music as opposed to like how to make music and where it came from, but basically what is what is music? You know the philosophy side of mm. things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. It's like yeah. hippie stuff. <laughs> I like it. I yeah. like it. <laughs> Systematic musicology covers a, a large uh, variety of topics though and so we just don't want to shoehorn into one thing but here's basically it will cover music in regards to psychology sociology education healing uh, therapy and acoustics like how does music work scientifically as well so if you're like into the sciencey math type of stuff of music you would fit into this world and education you heard there and that makes sense that uh, I'm a music teacher I'm a part of this musicological field. I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm going to go with it. Um, <laughs> Sounds legit. Yeah, doesn't it? What, yeah. what do you think about mu systematic musicology? You know, like, where's, where, where are you feeling on this branch? 
Well, I mean, I, I certainly, I like this branch much more than theory. Um, <laughs> yeah. However, you know, I think education, it, being a music teacher, that's obviously the subgroup I kind of subscribe to the most. Um, but I'm definitely always fascinated with, you know, how we as humans respond to music and why we respond to music. Why do we think a sad song is sad? Why do we think, ha- you know, happy music is happy? You know, like all that psychological, philosophical, uh, you know, I, I, I dig all of it to be to be real honest with you. So um, I, I don't know if you've got like a totally favorite subgroup here, but, you know, for me, I th- it's probably education if I've got to pick one. Yeah, mine's probably the psychology sociology. I think it's so fascinating how you can hear a song. Like, I mean, if I just hear a song on uh, a TV show or the radio, I have to get the whole album immediately. You know, and why? Why is that? Uh, And so, like, trying to figure that out is is fascinating to me. I'll give you an example. I was watching Dog the Bounty Hunter back when I was in high school, and. that's, that's the show's not important, but the, what was important was there's a background song, and they put in the little corner. Uh, I think the band name was like Buddha Head or something like that. And I heard this song, and I had to immediately download it. And so that was somebody's job to pick this song, to put it with this show at that exact moment to elicit a feeling in me that I had to go get the rest of the album. That's fascinating to me you know <laughs> so for sure yeah absolutely too bad you didn't have shazam at that point i know too bad i didn't have shazam <laughs> the problem now shazam. the problem now is like if i hear a song like if i have apple music in my car and a song comes on i'm like oh i want to know what this song is and you can't look at it and you, or or if it's on the radio and you say hey uh iphone what song is this? The Bluetooth speaker will cut on because I'm talking to my phone, and then it can't listen to the music. So there I am, just sitting there like mm. a fool. You know. I, I know that, and it is such a first world problem. Like, <laughs> I know. I, I feel that very deeply because I do that a lot, and then forget about it because the Bluetooth hooks up to my speakers too. <laughs> right. It's a tough life we lead. It you know? is the struggle. The struggle. <laughs> it's so real. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's pretty much uh, musicology in the, the broadest of broad nutshells that we could possibly get it to. Uh, when you listen to this and whatever you listen to this in, uh, there will be some show notes and they will have four Wikipedia articles. And again, I know you have probably had it drilled into your head. Don't use Wikipedia. And I'm here to tell you, Wikipedia is generally okay Please just don't cite it inside of formal papers, though. You know, like you're not really even supposed to cite encyclopedias in articles. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's a one-stop shop to get ideas about a big topic. So I've I've, I've linked uh, theory, history, ethnomusicology, musicology, which has a lot longer write-up and examples and other sub-articles and and links to it that you can just spend an afternoon or a week uh, supplementing your learning. Uh, whatever one of these interests you the most. As always, uh, especially like Miss Check alluded to at the very beginning, keep an open mind when you approach music. And you might start to see, and I hope that you start to see, that it connects with itself and it connects with the rest of the world in very interesting and unique ways. Music doesn't exist in a vacuum, neither do we. And culture doesn't exist in a vacuum, which is why talking about music and culture is so very important. Um, Amen. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was right <laughs> off the top of my head. I, I approve of that message <laughs> right there. <laughs> is there anything before I talk about where people can find us? Is there anything that you want to add to close this out here? 
boy, I don't think I can because you did it so succinctly there. I can't, I can't possibly follow that. Just keep an open mind, try and appreciate it all. And, uh, yeah, keep listening, keep learning. I love it. I can't say it anything nearly as nicely as what you did, Mr. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it and write that down because I don't remember what I said. (laughs) So where you can find us, uh, we have a Twitter. I just created that because, you know, it's 2019 and it really is probably behind the times. But that's okay. If you go to at OHVA Music, so OHVA Music, all one word, on Twitter, You'll find us there, and that will we'll have like the, the episodes tweeted out when they publish, and you can uh, comment there or message us uh, that way. Um, each teacher, uh, so if you're a student in our classes, each of our teachers has a section where you can find contact information uh, regarding any of these topics or uh, anything to do with the school. And anchor.fm, so A-N-C-H-O-R.fm, slash OHVA music. You can listen there and you can leave feedback and leave messages right there. And that's a website. And you can subscribe to this podcast basically wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, and those different links will also be in the show notes as well. Miss Chuck, thank you for our first episode hanging out with me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for starting this, Mr. England. I think this is going to be really cool. I think so, too. And thanks for joining me and being my co-host. I guess you can come back next time. You promise? I'll try to short to get a, a smaller uh, soapbox when, before I come back next time. <laughs> promise is such a strong word, but yeah, I uh, I, I'll, I'll keep you in mind. Right <laughs> no, on. Right no on. <laughs> for real, you'll come back next week. It'll be awesome. I hope you enjoy this, and we'll catch you uh, either in class or at the next episode. I hope you have a great day. Bye, guys.